I'm Robert Boss Baines, and you're watching Drinking at Moe's. <laughs> All right, everybody, taking time out before we get this show started. That uh, I want to thank Reaper Apparel for having Drinking at Moe's be a brand ambassador for their clothing line. They got good stuff they got t-shirts they got hoodies they got beans they got lots of great stuff encouraging everybody to break out of their comfort zone live their best self and hey it's something i try to live every day now be sure when you go and you're finishing filling out your order use the code drinking at mo's get 10 percent off and the link and the code will both be in the description. Let's fucking go. All right, everybody. Welcome to Drinking and Mo's. Big Mo here. You know the drill. YouTube, like, subscribe, share, comment, all that good stuff. Because that YouTube algorithm is a pain in the ass. <laughs> we are most places you can find the audio podcast, too. Today, I'm excited to have with me Robert. Boss Baines, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, the sun was out today. The weather in Austin, Texas was nicer than I expected. So, you know, all in all, can't quite complain as much as I usually do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was definitely worse up here in Nebraska. Definitely was it? What are you looking at? What what kind of temperatures has it dipped to already? It's been hovering between 30 and 40. Oh, yeah. Screw that. No, no, no. I just flew in from L.A. And in L.A. it was maybe, you know, 60. Gorgeous, beautiful sunsets. You could still take your shirt off outside and catch some rays early enough. That that was nice. The, yeah. What you've got is uh, that's that's a cold day in hell. Yeah, yeah. You want to take your shirt off outside right now? You're gonna be, you're gonna be cutting glass with your nipples. I was just thinking that. Yeah, gonna be slicing, dicing. Oh God, yeah, it, it's <laughs> bad. But hey, I can't complain because I do have some exciting stuff coming up. Getting to attend a show in Des Moines for Sammy Callahan's promotion, Wrestling Revolver. So that's oh, gonna yeah. be fun. They got a pretty big cards stacked up already killer kelly versus uh emmy sakura from mm -hmm. AEW right. in japan uh what was it the rascals versus the the grizzled young veterans oh that's a big one that's a big one in the states that's big oh yeah and there's uh for their tag titles Alex Cologne, Ricky Shane Page, and Steve Macklin versus the Second Gear Crew. Okay, I don't know the Second Gear Crew. I I know them little bits here and there. I've got to I got to meet all but one of them again at Sammy Callahan's promotion. So mm -hmm. and seeing them on like GCW and stuff. So, but yeah, I'm I'm excited. I've got some cool stuff coming up. But the first thing I like to start off with the guests with is what got you started as a fan and then what got you started deciding to finally make that leap into the business? Okay. So I started watching, I, I can't pinpoint the exact years, but it was late nineties, early two thousands. That was when I started. And there was, it's still hard to describe with the right words, but when I was growing up, I grew up in L.A., and my mother uh, is a TV and stage actress. That's what she does. Mm. She also does other jobs, but that's what exposed me to performing in general, was watching yeah. her and going to her shows and interacting with all those performers. So when I saw professional wrestling and really started to take notice of it for the first time, I knew exactly what I was looking at. I went, these are probably some of the most gifted entertainers I've ever seen. Their, their ability to project emotion without words is fantastic. There's oh, yeah. something almost 
preternatural in it that just it, it speaks to us as humans, as mammals, the movement without words. You don't you don't need any words to understand what's happening. And that's what I got out of it was a, a direct connection from movement to emotion. That's what I appreciated first about it. And as I watched it, I went, I have to do this. I'm not just satisfied watching this and appreciating it, though I do appreciate it. I have to do this. So when I was 21 years old, I actually found a place relatively close to where I was living at the time in L.A. that were they were doing a two for one special introductory thing you can get in the ring you can bump around a little bit they'll give you some instruction so me and my longtime friend from high school joe galley who is now the you know head voice of nwa we went tried it out and uh really enjoyed it but we didn't have any money i didn't have i didn't have a job i didn't have any money to give but they were just starting out there was a place called Slam City. It's not there anymore. Hasn't been there for years. Uh, but they were just starting out. And I said, I'll work for you. I'll do anything you need if you train me. And they said, OK, it was uh, it was a long shot offer. I had, <laughs> I had nothing to offer them. Nothing at all, except I, I can give you sweat equity. And they took it. And so that's where I started training. And I, I my first two trainers were Dan Magnus, who, if you know the name, the guy is the guy's incredible. He's like Batman, closest thing to Batman I've ever met in real life. And the other one was Ryan Katz, who's been with WWE for like fucking more way more than 10 years now. So the, those were the guys who started me in the business. Nice. I've act, Ryan Katz, I've actually had him on. Yeah. Yeah, he's amazing. He, his brain for the business is like none other. And I credit I credit him. I mean, I really credit all my trainers for helping me understand different aspects of, of wrestling. But the, the showmanship aspect of it, nobody does it better than Ryan Katz. That guy's oh. he's five foot five, but his personality is 10 feet tall. You oh. can't miss it. Yeah. If he's on a microphone, he's got you hooked. That's it. Oh, totally. Yeah, I I remember him from back, you know, and we got to talk about it. Shows like Wrestling Society X right. and uh, XPW, the original one, not the yeah, yeah. They don't seem to like me too much, but I don't think they like anybody. So I think you're in good company. Yeah, yeah, they they blocked me on Twitter and Instagram, but whatever. <laughs> you know, I worked I worked with Rob Black a little bit through Ryan. And um, this is a weird story, but try and keep up with me here. I was in a porno, but I was a stunt man on a porno. They were doing the uh, Justice League porn parody, and oh. they needed some guys to do stunts for some of the actors that were that were in it. No sex, no nudity, none of that. So I actually was on set with Rob Black directing, and we put together a whole sequence. It was me and two other guys whose names I won't mention, even though you would know who they are. <laughs> uh, but we, I actually worked with Rob Black during that time in, in the setting that he is probably known best for, and that was... An experience. I, I can only imagine. I mean, mm -hmm. I've heard some of the stories through, you know, Ryan and through some of the other people I've talked to. And it was an interesting time back then. <laughs> yeah. yeah, interesting. Interesting. Mildly illegal, always immoral and interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And me... I didn't get my start watching independent wrestling until relatively late because I believe it was oh, it was around 2008, 2009 when I actually got stationed down in San Diego and just happened wow. to Google pro wrestling in San Diego and then boom, off to the races I was. Right. 
So what was the first show you went to in San Diego? Oh, God, it was a fundraiser for an elementary school. Actually. Was it? Okay, yeah. And then their, their, the next show was literally that promotion's version of, like, their WrestleMania. And oh, okay. uh, a guy that uh, I've actually talked with about being on, who also familiar with XPW, Joey Chaos. Yeah, I know Joey. I just saw Joey. I was just at Santino's uh, a couple days ago for their show. Yeah, I've, I've talked with him about coming on, but, you know, running Santino's wrestling and all that, it, nailing down a date, I mean, hell, I'm persistent because, hell, it took me a little over a year to finally get the John Wayne Murdoch episode done. Oh, really? Yeah. Through the personal issues and some other stuff with the schedule that he keeps, yeah, it took me about a year. I mean, that's that's how things sort of pan out in the wrestling business. You have to have patience and persistence. And I have one of those things. I have the persistence, but I do not have the patience. I will bitch, piss and moan the entire time until I get what I want. I depending on the situation, I have a lot of patience. I I say that I have a lot of patience, but a low tolerance for bullshit. Nah, sure. But when I see it, something I think is bullshit, it's kind of hard for me not to want to say something. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, persistent and most of the time patience. So, I mean, I'm able to get <laughs> stuff done. Yeah. But uh, the thing that I've enjoyed about recording with people from all over the country and heck all over the world really i've had a couple people on from new japan actually we'll go into that later but branded outlaw wrestling not as familiar with them but right i like to learn about new places new promotions because it gets me my portfolio of what i get to watch even bigger Mm -hmm. what what's going on down there tell me for and for the people that will end up watching what is going on down with branded outlaw wrestling branded outlaw wrestling i have to i have to give them their their dues on this one they're actually a a much longer running promotion than i knew at the time they've been running for more than 10 years consistently Really, with almost out of break, you know, barring you know, the the COVID era, um, but they've been going a long time. So my hats off to them for that. Um, what what they've been able to do really is have a wide open door policy for a lot of different professionals from a lot of different companies. So you see a lot of guys from the larger companies going into branded outlaw and creating matchups that no one can possibly see anywhere else. So they've got new Japan talent. They've got, excuse me, some impact talent. They've got, they've got everybody. It's wild seeing the locals interact with the national guys interact with the international guys. It's, it's an incredible melting pot of talent. And I'm very grateful that they reached out to me when they did and said, we would like to bring you in to be a part of our organization. And ironically enough, when I was talking to them, it was through the work that I did in LA toward the earlier days of my career that got them interested in me. So they've been longtime fans of mine and that's why they wanted to bring me into their product at Branded Outlaw. Um, and I feel like what I've been able to do it at Branded Outlaw is begin what I what I hope to achieve is a a Texas takeover. I want to take over Texas, much like everyone else is from Los Angeles. You hear so many people complaining locally about all the people from Los Angeles coming into Texas and changing it and making it worse, worse by their definition. Whereas people like me, we see it actually making it better and bringing it into the 21st century where it should be. Uh, they don't want to give up 
any part of their superiority complex. So for people like me, I got to come in and I've got to beat up all the best guys in Texas and in the South and then show them finally, unequivocally, there is nobody better than those people from Los Angeles. And there is nobody better than Boss Bangs. You just can't beat Boss Bangs. You know what? Coming from a guy that, you know, I got my start watching independent wrestling in Southern California. I quickly became aware of why, when it comes to independent wrestling, Southern California has always been known as like one of the meccas of independent mm-hmm. wrestling. It's you get your talent alone all up and down that coast is just second to none. That's right. It's it is a temper temperament of quality over quantity. And there are so many places in the United States that boast quantity of professional wrestling, different regions, but the quality just isn't there. It's just not good enough. So what we've done in L.A. is we've been able to attract some of the best coaches and some of the best trainers that you can get anywhere in the world and the opportunity to work with different people in different industries, different entertainment industries helps to make us that much better as independent wrestlers and entertainers. Um, and our ability to, to work with not just those in Mexico to learn Lucha, but to be the gateway to Japan to mm-hmm. learn a Japanese style and a Japanese influence that really, the Japanese style boasts perfection they believe that they have perfected professional wrestling and it is incredibly hard to disagree with them on that assertion oh most definitely and you know what while we're on the subject of japan you're actually involved in probably the biggest promotion over there new japan and that's right they just recently, well, I don't know how recent ago now as of recording this, but not long ago, they just had a big show down there in Texas along yes. the same weekend that you had a pretty big weekend with some other stuff. <laughs> What's it like, you know, being with New Japan and some of the stuff they've been able to accomplish with uh you know, their expansion with shows over here in the States. It's been an incredible opportunity to learn a completely different style of professional wrestling from both the presentation to the backstage. All of it is on another level. And it's something that a lot of Americans have a problem understanding and getting along with because they are so strict it's just in their culture they expect perfection and they expect things to be a certain way and if they aren't a certain way you're going to hear about it and you're not going to like it very much um but my my temperament is uh, again going back to what we were first talking about patience i can be patient And when you are dealing with people who are non-English speaking, when you are attempting to translate something that you know about, that other people aren't necessarily as well versed in, you have to have patience as they digest the information that you are giving to them. And I'm blessed that I am patient enough to work with them at the very beginning, the first shows that they did in the United States in Long Beach, the uh, G1 special. Uh, around uh, Fourth of July weekend, I was there for that, and I helped. I helped build that from the ground up. Um, and because of my my temperament and my desire to continue to work for them, I pursued them to a degree uh, because I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn everything there was to learn about how they do things. And yeah. six years later, I can say that I, I've got a pretty good understanding of how they do things and how they expect perfection and how if you do not deliver, 
either you will be reprimanded or you just won't be asked to return. That's that is what they're like. They they want the highest quality, the best standards. And in my life and in my career, I do, too. So we understand each other very well on that level. Oh, yeah. There's a reason why not. Well, New Japan, but, you know, really Japanese wrestling in general is known as some of like very intense training because from the very get go, it's like that, that perfection, they, they expect, you know, everything going great. And if you're not progressing just yet, then you're not moving up. That's right. And, you know, sometimes I think sometimes in the States here, there's some, some places that could probably take a clue from that because me, <laughs> maybe I enjoy that style, that intense, no nonsense, just go out and beat the snot out of each other style of it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember the first wrestle kingdom I saw mm-hmm. the like over here in the States, you see somebody throw a headbutt and you're like, Oh, okay. That, you know that it's, I hate using the term fake, but you can tell that there's not so much of a, a actually hitting the person. Right. But then that Wrestle Kingdom show, you could literally hear the bone on bone smack. And I'm like, okay, I have a headache just watching that. <laughs> well, I, when, uh, when we built the LA Dojo, I trained with Shibata. I was I was there for his, the very first test camp that they did, and I was there for every subsequent camp. So I put in a lot of time training with Shibata. Uh, I was not selected to be a young boy for a number of reasons, but nevertheless, I put in the time to learn from a master of the sport. And what I learned that isn't taught so much in the United States is that you're, it's not that you're not hitting somebody because you're always hitting somebody. It's about hitting them in the places that will minimize damage to you and still sting for them, but it will not knock them unconscious right away. There are exceptions but on the, by and large, you're you're trying to prove your toughness mm. and toughness means punishing them slowly and making them get up and making them come back. And yeah. that was that was very much what our training was like, was being punished and then learning to find the will and the energy to get up. Oh, yeah. And hell, you learn from a great one. I mean just got off a run with a ring of honor pure title and the thing the thing that always amazed me when he came back was thinking back that the thing that killed bruce lee he survived it yeah and it's just like that to me knowing that there two people in like peak physical condition it killing the one and Shibata mm-hmm. made it through. It's like, holy shit. I was, I was witness to his, his decision to pursue wrestling further. He was a coach at the LA dojo and he enjoyed that, but he was not satisfied with that he did not want to make that his life's work at this time so that man dedicated himself to staying as physically fit as possible and to continuously push his limitations towards a return um he was not sure if he would ever get that return he wasn't sure none of none of us were ever sure that he would get that return but his persistence and his dedication have proven that if you are dedicated you can come back and i think we're living in an incredible era of early retirements and returns 
Uh, and I think that speaks to the the certain amount of sports medicine that we have now available to us that the earlier generations just didn't have access to. Um, and the, the knowledge of the doctors that has just exceeded anything that they knew even 10 years ago. Um, so we are very lucky to live in this era where a person can choose to end their career on their terms more now than they ever were before. And it's, it's oh. a blessing. It really is. Oh, totally. And, you know, talking about the LA dojo, I actually have one of my best friends and a guest that I will be recording with tomorrow as of this recording. Uh, I'm also going to, they were both ah, tripping over on words here. They were both in the last LA Dojo showcase show. Okay. Against each other, Jake Painter and SoCal Crazy. Well, SoCal, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And uh, Jake, I think I've, I've met him, uh, but unfortunately I missed the showcase. I'll have to go back and check that out. Uh, I'm, I haven't been able to check out the showcase yet. I've seen little clips here and there. I believe SoCal it's on Crazy. YouTube, if memory serves. I think it's currently on YouTube. It, it might, I might have to go check yeah. that out and make double sure on that. But yeah, I remember seeing SoCal Crazy post a picture up of the group that was going through the training to for the showcase. Yeah. And I'm yeah, just the like, academy going through the, the, the Delhi Dojo Academy. Yeah. And I was like, holy crap. Like he was knocking on Death's door. And then battling back and making up for lost time and getting the opportunity to be there. When I saw that picture, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. It, it's those moments are, they're incredible. And it's, it's endearing as a, as a human being to see that kind of story play out in front of you, that anything's necessarily possible as long as you're committed and you have the dedication and you have the heart and the fortitude to keep going. Anything is possible. It's, it's an incredible story. I mean, it's, those are the kinds of stories that pro wrestling was created to tell. Exactly. And you know what? We got on New Japan, but there were also pictures that I was kind of jealous of you for this one you got to attend the premiere of the yes. iron claw movie the movie based on the famous von eric family yes what was that like because i'm i'm definitely going to be seeing the movie but what was that premiere like for you it was it was man it's hard to talk about it without giving anything away that's the really <laughs> difficult position I find myself in is everybody's asking me about it and they want me to talk about it, but they don't want to tell them too much or else, you know, they, I'm going to give something away. The yeah. premiere itself was incredible. It was very small because it was in a a local theater in Dallas and it actually was the theater that they arrested uh oswald in uh who shot jfk oh, okay okay so they actually have pictures in the theater of the arrest and they actually have his seat in the theater marked off so that nobody can sit there so it's wow. it's an interest it's a very historic landmark for that reason but it is in itself a time capsule of back to the time when the Von Erichs still were the pinnacle of professional wrestling inside of Texas and then in the world at large. And I forget who I was talking to. It could have been the director himself who said this, but he said the, the Von Erichs themselves were like the Kennedys of pro wrestling. And to be in the theater with the man who, who shot, JFK was arrested. There's an interesting, weird, straight line right there. Yeah, um, it was it was a great night. It was incredibly emotional because not only did you have the actors and industry people, but you they invited the entire remaining Von Erich family, and they had people who were who actually worked with the Von Erichs who are still alive today and invited them to come to the premiere. So 
I, we had somebody behind us was commenting on the movie um, of the historical accuracies and inaccuracies during during the movie. He was muttering to the person next to him. But he, in spite of things that didn't line up, the story still rang so resonant to everybody in that theater. And there were there were moments when the the entire theater's heart was in their throat. They, they everyone was so emotional and watching the movie. It is it's it's an incredible story of uh it ends up being a story of perseverance in the oh. end. Oh most and, definitely uh, I mean it and more than everybody knows the story. So the story is it's heartbreaking. Don't Just absolutely gut-wrenching. Um but the way that it's shot and the way that the story is presented is so skillfully and artfully done that I I was just my breath was taken away at some of the shots in this movie and how how beautiful they make the art of pro wrestling look. They make it look so brutal, but they make it look like an art form that's that's fit for the big screen. And it's it's just fantastic. Everybody who worked on that movie did an absolutely fantastic job. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it. I wouldn't expect you to give away any of the movie because you know I'm not about spreading spoilers. But yeah. I, I'm pretty damn excited. I'm that I've seen I've rewatched the world class championship wrestling documentary that WWE put out a while back. I've mm-hmm. watched that and rewatched it a bunch of times so when i saw they were coming out with that movie about the family i'm like okay i haven't gone to the theater much lately but that one yeah as soon as i see it's playing near me i'm going it's worth it but bring a box of tissues you're gonna need it i can imagine and you know what that same that same weekend you were also with a promotion that I'm a little more familiar with, but reality of wrestling, Booker That's T's right. promotion. That was a busy that, weekend. Holy crap. When you say it like that, I had the premiere, and then I had New Japan, and then I went to reality of wrestling. Like, yeah, no, I was I was really busy that weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, what, what was that, that show like for you? Because, I mean, good Lord, the premiere, New Japan, and, like, Texas – there is a reason why there's memes out there of, you know, one town being like a, a few miles away, and then oh. the ne- the next one says um tomorrow. Yes, yeah, that I uh, inadvertently swapped a big state problem for a different big state problem. I came from L.A., so in every direction you have California, in every single direction, I mean, outside of the ocean. And then Texas, I'm in Austin, which is the center of Texas. So I have Texas in every possible direction. But luckily, the regions are so different from each other that you can still go to different cities, different, and they they feel like almost different states sometimes. Like Austin is like the the Los Angeles of Texas. They they reluctantly agree to this, and it's always been that way. That's not my fault. It has always been a place for the weirdos and the art types and the music people. That's always been Austin. But then you've got San Antonio, which is a little bit more. It's bigger and it's more working class and it's more Hispanic. And then you've got Dallas, which is just Dallas. It's just Dallas. Dallas. And then Houston. Houston, which is something completely different. And it's kind of crazy because they get really like psychotic weather over there. So the people who are there have to be kind of crazy to put up with that. So it's Mm -hmm. it's a completely different experience wherever you go. And technically, all of those things are driving distance from each other if you have the time. They're about at most 300 and 50 360 miles away from each other actually yeah about that so it's it's possible to do those three main four major cities but it takes time yeah yeah and i've I've heard plenty of great things about 
Booker T's promotion. I know they've been able to bring in, as of late, different NXT talent. That's right. Yeah, I was there not not this last time, but a little bit earlier to see Trick Williams. Um, Trick Williams, I actually trained with. I trained him with Brian Kendrick before he got to WWE, right before he signed the contract. So he and I know each other from that. And seeing him turn into what he's become now is truly fantastic. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's really blowing it out of the water. He's a star. He's He's got the thing, man. He figured it out. And he looks great. So I, reality wrestling, being able to utilize their contacts through Booker T with NXT helps reality of wrestling, obviously. Uh, and it helps their students understand what the next level looks like and what it takes to get to that next thing. And oh, it's, yeah. it's really, it's important for the younger guys to look at, I don't want to say older, but guys who are a little bit further ahead and, understand that they're still trying to chase something. They're still trying to get their hands on a brass ring that sits in the distance and it gives them something to shoot for. That's a good thing. You need that motivation, especially oh. for the younger guys. Oh, most definitely. Now I have two categories here that I'd like rounding stuff off with. One's a bit of a name game where I name off some people I try to theme it towards the guests, and you give me some quick thoughts on the person. And with your involvement with New Japan, this one worth everybody's involved with New Japan some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I've even had one of these guys on the show not all that long ago now. So, like I like I said, I give you the name, you give me some quick thoughts on the person. Okay. First one, one of my personal favorites one of my current personal favorites right now tomohiro ishii tomo is the blueprint for everything i wish i could be as a professional wrestler uh i knew him from before he really got going in the states i was i was at some roh tapings in las vegas and i had a chance to meet him and see his work he is far and away just he's i i can't can't put it into words. He does what he does so well, and he's able to draw in an audience. When he walked in for that very first G1 special in in uh, Long Beach, nobody knew who he was. And by the end of it, he was the most over guy there next to Kenny Omega. There's no question he has he has something special inside of him, and I I hope to be like that one day. Oh man, like I said, he is one of my personal favorites right now. I so just nice. I love the the look when he comes to the ring, especially when he like if he has a title on him, mm-hmm. he, the look on his face literally looks like you'd have to damn near kill him to take that damn thing. From yeah, him. and. I gravitate a lot towards those intense personas that no nonsense beat the stunner. And good Lord, if I was standing across the ring from him, knowing he was coming for me, I would need to change of pants. Yes. Yes. And it, I think he's a, he's a really good example of the idea of a heavyweight being a mindset and not an actual number on a scale. He is not a heavyweight class wrestler. I've met him. I I know his proportions. I'm not ready to give them away, but I'll say <laughs> this much. He is not your standard heavyweight wrestler. And yet that guy can move people and he can take abuse more than anybody. That is his trademark. That is his stamp. And it, it, he's earned everything that he's been given. Oh, most totally agree with you. Now, next one, my little thing with this guy is when my wife and I at our wedding, when we were taking pictures, I had this idea for a, a photo like that one you've probably seen of the groom and the groomsman holding the shirt out and it's the superhero logos, but it was one of his shirts. Yeah. And he actually retweeted it. <laughs> I'm going to 
I, I was like beyond excited about him doing it, but I'm talking about Tomatonga. Yes, yes. Tomatonga is he is a a really bright spot in things. Whenever I see him backstage, he is always incredibly happy to be wherever he is. Um, he he understands that he is trying to promote a a legacy of his own family. And so the weight is on his shoulders, but you never see the pressure get to him. He is, he's a hundred percent himself. And he is, he's, he's an absolutely a fantastic performer. Like there's just, there's nothing he can't do. He's so physically gifted and he's able to connect with an audience because I feel like he is being so genuine when he is in there. He is so much himself. And so the audience looking at him are looking at the genuine article. They're looking at the man. Oh yeah. I've got nothing but great things to say about him. I'm hoping like I have my list in my head, you know, independent and, you know, people from, like, New Japan and all over, like, my list of people in my head of people I'd love to have on, he is definitely one that, good Lord, just... It would be to tough to him. get him when he's home. He's uh, he's based out of Florida still, I believe. Yeah. Um, but he's spends so much time in Japan, yeah. it's almost impossible to get yeah. even close to the same uh, time zone. <laughs> yeah. Now that that would definitely be the battle of it. Next person, the person that I've actually had on the show, he was right around my hundredth episode, and now, good lord, it's even crazy thing, and I'm damn near close to my two hundredth now. But that's why I'm right. Yeah, he's doing big things. Part of the Bullet Club now, Clark Connors. Clark Connors. Yeah, I met him day one when he came to the dojo. Um, and what's funny is I know the the school that he came out of before coming to the L.A. dojo because I wrestled up in Oregon and Pacific Northwest and up there. That's where he's from originally. So I, I, I know where he's coming from. And I think the best decision he could have made was to come to the L.A. dojo because right away – he had the leadership qualities that are very rare and hard to find. He he always was one trying to raise others up and pull everybody together and try and work as a unit. And seeing him now in the Bullet Club as part of a larger unit, I think serves him quite well, even though I don't necessarily agree with the fact that he's with the Bullet Club because they're the Bullet Club and uh, they're they're just the the antithesis of what New Japan Pro Wrestling is. They operate in New Japan, but they are so much against New Japan. It's it's hard to understand why they exist there at all, but they are very much a unit and seeing uh, David Finley kind of pull him together as the new leader of Bullet Club, I think is is a good thing, but it's bringing out an incredibly aggressive streak in Clark that I knew was there, but it's just been ratcheted up to 11. He's, he's a killer now because he has to be a killer if he wants to run with them. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they, they've got some other great people in the ranks. But last but not least for this name game here, there's a couple people that, you know, if you're talking about New Japan, you're thinking of Tanahashi, but you're also thinking of the Rainmaker Okada. Yeah. Okada is, is on another level. Like he, he is... He treats professional wrestling like it's his own personal game. He gets so much enjoyment out of professional wrestling, and he's just there to do what he wants to do. Everything that you see Okada doing, he enjoys it 100%. 
Um, obviously more when he's winning than when he's losing, but what's his longest losing streak ever looked like, you know, maybe a handful of losses, but he, he is a, a guy who enjoys what he does to the absolute fullest. And he enjoys being the guy who is able to do the hard things. He wants to go the hour. He wants to challenge his his mind and his body to the the degree that some people just think is insane. He finds enjoyment in that. He wants to be the pinnacle. Then that's exactly what he is. He is one of the pillars of that company kind of by choice. He wanted that position. So he moved in and he took it not by backstabbing or anything dirty like that. He earned it. Again, another guy who earns his spot. He came in. He outworked everybody. He has a fantastic attitude. He is the rainmaker. That's it. Totally agree. Now, I have some random questions here. Some might be wrestling related. Some might not be. Some might have absolutely nothing to do with anything we've talked about so far. That's why it's random. But I give you the question. You give me first answer. It pops in your head. All right. First one, one of them that I like to keep in here because I love some of the stories that I've been able to hear. And I've heard some doozies. Craziest in-match moment for you. <laughs> I was in a match once where a dog jumped in the ring. <laughs> Yeah, okay. a very large dog. It was not like a chihuahua or anything like that. We were in a standard-sized ring, and I was wrestling in L.A., and it was like at an art gallery or something like that. Uh, it was it was a cool show. Uh, I got paid in, like, clothing, <laughs> which was different. Uh, it was nice stuff. Uh, but there was a dog that jumped into the ring in the middle of the match, and it was, it was like a pit bull. It was a pretty good size. It had to jump from the ground into the ring. Um and to our credit, like, we were like, uh, dog. And <laughs> then it it kind of, its owner called it, and then it ran out of the ring, and we immediately went back to beating each other. Like, it, <laughs> like we barely skipped any time at all. It was like, dog, pause for dog, start fighting again. Like, it was, we didn't <laughs> miss a beat. It was, that was, that was definitely weird. There's, I'm sure there have been crazier ones, but that was the first one that popped into my head. Oh, yeah, I can understand why that would. I know I've been able to witness some rather crazy moments, one involving one of my best friends where it was like their version of uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match. He had a guy up on his back like the Seamus and the White Noise and the ladder bridged between the ring apron and the guardrail. And I see him look down and I'm like, do not tell me. He did it. Ladder folded, and I'm like, Ouch. "Yeah, I was, and, I was in a, I was in a couple of ladder matches, and it, what happens in the match largely depends on how much money they were willing to shell out for the ladders. So you have various kinds of ladders, and the, the aluminum ones snap." so easily i remember i was in a match once and we broke we broke all all except one but i needed another one to get to the thing that was up on the ceiling so in the middle of the match i grabbed the leg and had to bend it back into position so that i could put my weight on it it was it was a moment <laughs> yeah and i actually i've also been a fan of deathmatch wrestling and got to see my actual first legit deathmatch not just deathmatch but it's just a tag slapped on there it was actually at Sammy Callahan's promotion and it ended by them taking four folding chairs bridging two panes of glass and then well the glass was lit on fire <laughs> I'm I am um... I'm a fan of I'm a fan of weapons. Let me not get that wrong. I'm a fan of weapons. But there is a degree to where it just gets so ridiculous. It just looks like a guy wearing several hats at the same time. And you go, these hats aren't doing anything for you anymore. 
you could punch a guy in the face and knock him out or pile up a bunch of glass, light it on fire, yada, yada, yada. Did he kick out or was that the actual finish? That was the finish. Oh, well, thank God for that. Because what are you going to do that's bigger than that? My wife likes deathmatch wrestling, and I'm more of an old-school deathmatch guy. I like the purists that were afraid of the weapons. I think the lack of fear is something that uh, uh, normal people can't relate to. Everybody's scared of these things. So these guys were a little bit more afraid. I think the audience would would help. It would help them connect a little bit more. But I've just pissed off a bunch of people with that take. So whatever. <laughs> hey, I've I've had plenty of people on from the deathmatch world, including, you know, I mentioned John Wayne Murdoch. I've had I brought him up a little earlier, Alex Clone. But the thing that we I've discussed with all of them is, yeah, it's it's not everybody's cup of tea. We'll say there there's people that enjoy it. There's people, but it's like any other form of wrestling. There's people that like it. There's people that don't. Yeah, nobody's wrong for liking it or not liking it. That's just their taste. I'll tell you this, I I cannot retire until I have a, a barbed wire match of some kind. That's my that's going to be the thing. I want that for me. Not a death match because I I don't like the light tubes. I I can't I physically cannot do it for medical reasons. But I want barbed wire. Give give me that challenge and I I will sink my teeth in happily. I been lucky enough to sit front row for a no rope barbed wire match once and yeah that that was intense yeah i'll bet (laughs) all right now another question that i'd like to keep in here because i feel weird with the name of a show like i have if i didn't have this question favorite drink whether it be alcoholic or non or one of each because i i've always tried to tell people that just because it says drinking at most does not mean that it has to be alcoholic. Because I've had well, I mean, if you notice tonight, it's a margarita. I've been sipping on a margarita. I came prepared. I, I know where I'm going to be, and I'm prepared accordingly. Uh, yeah. But I'm I as far as hard alcohol is concerned, I pretty much drink anything. Uh, I like beer. I've always liked beer. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll drink vodka, I'll drink, uh, I, I like gin, which is something that a lot of people don't like for some yeah, reason. I actually my, my wife like don't. it. Yeah, I like it. Um, but if it's non-alcoholic, I really only drink two things, water and coffee. I almost always have a cup of coffee in my hand. When I don't have it, I've actually heard from people Where's where's your cup? Are you okay? Do you need me to get you a cup of coffee? Like I am so synonymous and it's black. There's nothing in it. Absolutely nothing. I like black coffee and I drink a lot of it. So that's <laughs> that's it. That's me. Yeah, I've always been more of a beer guy, but when it comes to the hard liquor, I pretty much stick to tequila and whiskey. Mm-hmm. Like the rocks Terramana, yeah, smooth, smooth. Like you put that stuff in a margarita, you're gonna want to watch how many of them you drink. <laughs> Deceptive. Oh God, yeah. Like you think, <laughs> oh, I'm fine, and then before you know it, you're like, everybody looks so pretty. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Austin is a is an alcohol town. My one of the the jokes my father in law likes to make is they've got uh they've got full bars at playgrounds too you know they got full <laughs> bars at churches there's no place you know can't find a full bar in Austin Texas and it's almost true so if it, it helps to have like a wide palette of things that you like because everywhere you go is going to have something different and it's going to be something really good so you can try this wide variety yeah. of things that you've never had before some really unique stuff. And it, it just helps being somebody who likes everything a little bit so you can appreciate everything. Oh, yeah. No, I've, I've always been somebody that's willing to try just about anything once. 
And then if mm-hmm. I like it from there, hey, I'll I'll keep with it. But yeah, I I've had my my times when I drank a little more than I do now. Uh, I'll be at the military. Yeah, I I go oh, god yeah, some sure. of the, some <laughs> of the stories I have from back then. <laughs> One in particular I will go into because I haven't told a story in a while. Every foreign port you had to apply for overnight liberty if you didn't want to have to go back to the ship. And we're in, I'm wanting to say Singapore, and we were getting absolutely hammered. There was this this package that we sprung for that was like an upgrade where you got this, in the hotel there's a private guest-only bar. And the drinks were pretty much all included so but there were people going up there they take one at a time they'd sit there for a while me and my friends we were taking like two at a time down a little quick going back getting more and then (laughs) good lord we go do some stuff at another bar we go back to the hotel but there was a mcdonald's around the corner and we went and got like each of us got like a bag full of double McChickens and stuff. And then <laughs> we ended up getting called back early because of something. But we were all in bed, but and my bed happened to be the one by the phone. I learned later that I apparently got the guy that originally called not so happy because... They're trying to be like, oh, you need to be back here by midnight. And I'm like, apparently, midnight. It's already midnight. I can't be in two places at once. (laughs) Somebody else had to call back. Then we got back on the ship and yeah. (laughs) In quite a state. Your 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 state followed you back to the ship. Yes. (laughs) Yes, uh, that that next day was not a fun one. <laughs> so I've got a little bit of a drinking story. It's not a very long one. I I am a very discerning drinker. I only drink good stuff. I don't drink Bud Light. I don't drink cheap stuff or anything like that. However, I was out after an NXT show, uh, hanging out with the talent, and this was the time when Samoa Joe was the champion. Mm-hmm. I'm hanging out with everybody, and Samoa Joe comes up to me and hands me a Bud Light. I would not drink a Bud Light if my if my head was on fire and you said, I'll put it out. If you drink this Bud Light, I would not drink it. But when the champion hands you a beer and says, here, this is for you, you drink the beer. You yeah, drink the damn beer. Especially yeah. a guy like Samoa Joe handing you a beer. I'm like, okay. I, I, I would not. <laughs> I would says, not this is, we have to do that. this. It's disrespectful if you don't. You're in, yeah. you're in somebody else's house, uh, and if you do not eat or drink their stuff, they're going to be mad at you. So, drink it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Act oh, like you yeah. like it. <laughs> oh yeah, like I yeah I have my stuff that I prefer over Bud Light and all that, but if that's what somebody has, I mean, like yeah with Samoa Joe, I'll drink it. Like my one of my personal favorites is uh Stone Cold's Broken Skull American Lager. Yeah, yeah. I was just Broken so I, I go out to LA very often and I stay in El Segundo when I'm there. And El Segundo Brewing is the one who makes all that. So I, I've had it fresh not very long ago. It's fantastic. It's so oh, damn good. Yeah I last I had it I bought it when I went on a road trip with my dad to my first ever Packers game up in Lambeau Field. And here in Omaha, they don't sell it for some damn reason. Maybe it's the alcohol content? Could be. I, I don't know. But they had it up there in Green Bay, so I found a grocery store that had it, and I bought the last pack of it. Nice. And I brought it back, and I... The closest they sell it to me now is uh, Kansas City, but luckily my brother-in-law lives there, so I haven't oh. had him to get some. Nice, nice. So you got an in. 
<laughs> I, I got an M. Now, this question I like to think about because there's people out there that say with like large lottery jackpots like oh you could never spend that much money and i always tell them you give me that much money and watch me (laughs) but the question here is if you won a big lottery jackpot and had what i like to call fuck it money what's one of the first things you'd get well first things i would get oh that's so tricky um Maybe like a Winnebago. Well, that sounds weird. <laughs> Coming yeah, from I, me. I can see like, the appeal to it. Right, right. You can travel all over the place. You don't need a hotel necessarily, but like I I like I like traveling. The driving aspect of it, you know, not so much, but the ability to stop at your leisure and uh and sleep whenever you want to, that's appealing. Um, but if if it's if it's just a ton of money, like I'm traveling everywhere. That's what I'm doing. Like I'm not necessarily buying any one thing in particular, but I it opens the doors to me to where I don't have to think about what the cost would be to travel someplace. I'm just going. I'm gonna do whatever it is I want to do, wherever it is I want to do it, because now the the gloves are off and I can just do it. That's that's oh. what I'm doing. I'm not a big purchases guy. I'm not. I'm not somebody who's tied to a lot of stuff. I own yeah. I own my house, but I'm happy with that. I'm not looking to expand. I'm not looking to buy an apartment building next. I'm not looking to flip houses or any of that stuff. I just yeah. want to be able to have the freedom to do what the hell I want, wherever the hell I want to do it. That's what I want. That's what I'm buying. Oh yeah, no, I I like the like that thinking because it's still on my bucket list, a dream trip of mine to actually go to Wrestle Kingdom and I've seen these these videos of different things from over in Japan these capsule hotels mm. that I'm like and then I've also seen these different travel videos where these people are like in these like amazing first class seats where it's like it's almost like a lean back into a yes, bed yeah sort of thing. yeah they're, they're like they're like pods on planes yeah, yeah. that's like, what i'm you know what? my dream trip would be to sit in one of those seats stay in one of those capsule hotels and go to wrestle kingdom yeah that, that is something i do that's a perfect goal it's a perfect goal in my opinion yeah i hope you get to do that no yeah i'm we'll we'll see if that ever gets to happen it's it's a dream of mine but last but not least best advice for anybody wanting to get into wrestling uh oh it's such it's such a tricky time now when i when i started it was it was like another there's a, a phrase that i have taken from the british and it's the past is another country and it's, it's so true. The past is a completely other country. When I started in 2009, it was the bottom of the business. Like the industry was in just the worst shape. It's just terrible. Um, and it's changed so much for the better now. But the, the best advice I can give to anybody right now would be just find a quality trainer. Don't just find anybody near you try and find a quality trainer i was incredibly lucky because my first trainer was so dedicated he didn't have much brian katz didn't have much of a pedigree uh when i went to him he was on a couple of shows but beyond that he didn't have a great depth of of a a resume but he was so smart and so dedicated he became an asset to wwe after I had met him already. So I was very lucky in that regard. But if I was to do it again, I would seek out the the best trainer that I possibly could and just try and learn as much as you can um, and learn things that you don't necessarily think are valuable or necessarily important because you do not know how those things are going to benefit you later on. You, In hindsight, you can always look back and go, oh, you know, I wish I had learned how to da-da-da. But may I say when the 
when the opportunity presents itself, take it. Take the opportunity to learn something new and learn something different and open yourself up to being more versatile in professional wrestling because there are those people who are performers and then they get injured and they have nothing else to offer because that's all that they are is performers. If you are able to be a utility in any place that you are, in the ring, in the back, on the camera, doing any of those things, you will be in the business as long as you want to be in the business. And your ability to choose your comings and goings is a gift. The gift of options and the gift of freedom is highly underrated. That is what people want most in wrestling are options. They want different companies to go to. They want to choose where they're going to be next. That's what they want. And the best way to do that is to be versatile. Oh, most definitely. Because, you know, I think the thing that uh, people nowadays benefit from getting in the business is there's so many legitimate great trainers out there like no matter what area of the country you're in like southern california's got a bunch texas has got some great ones florida northeast midwest we got you know we got our growing ones that you know got some great talent here that i personally think it gets a little bit slept on but that's a whole nother mm-hmm. story for another mm-hmm. time but back to the point you know a while back yeah it there the choices were kind of limited but now there's so many great options out there that if you really do your homework on you're gonna find somebody that will do you a great service getting to sit under their learning tree yeah, yeah, it's very true. That's very true. Now, before we go, where can people find you social media wise? So if they don't already have their eyes on you, they can go ahead and get them there. On social media, I am I am at Baines Destroy on X now and Instagram. And my email is Robert Baines Wrestling at gmail.com. Those are the best ways to contact me. Feel free to slip into my email. I'm always watching. All right, we'll get all of that into the description. But before we go, thank you for taking the time to talk to me tonight. Best of luck out there with everywhere from Branded Outlaw to New Japan and everywhere in between. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you.